So, Father, uh, we just thank you for today, and we just thank you for um, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. We thank you for what an awesome God that you are, such a loving and kind and uh, generous God. We thank you for grace. We thank you for caring so much about us when we look at this immense universe that you have created and our relation and our relation, physical relationship to our universe, we seem so small and insignificant. Mm -hmm. But Lord, when we when we read about your love and we read about your coming to earth to die for us, Father, how much you love and value us. So we thank you for that, Lord, because in that we can learn to value ourselves because you are the one that created us and you are the one that actually gets to speak into us, into who we are, mm. Father, which is so much greater than who we think uh, we are in ourselves. Yes, so we just bless you for that. We just thank you for your word and we thank you for your spirit, which is our helper and our comforter. And so, Lord, we just bless you. We ask that your spirit will be with us now. Lord, that you would just do what you want to do in this class. Touch us in ways, Lord, that we're not even aware that we need to be touched um, as you draw us closer to yourself and make us over into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so welcome to session two, Relational Seeds, What Are You Planting? So just a quick overview from Last week, we talked about the concept of relational seeds, and we talked about the idea that the Bible shows, the Bible talks about in terms of uh, words. So last week, we talked about the tongue, and we talked about seeds, and we talked about the power that the written and the spoken word has. So uh, the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so um, we know even through time how powerful words are. Power Words have been used to inspire people and nations to great heights, but words ha also have the power to destroy and to um, belittle and to break down. And so understanding that, we also understand that from the idea that we're speaking from relational seeds, that our words when we're in relationship, no matter whether it's with um, a husband and wife or, or family members, <laughs> that we have the ability to speak into others' lives. And what we speak into others' lives is the equivalent of sowing seed into their heart. And as that seed gets sowed, um, we know from what the Bible talks about is that it can be those seeds that are planted in the ground. And Jesus talked about this. We talked about it in uh, Matthew 13 in the parable of the sower. That the word was planted, right? That spoken word was planted. And as that word was planted, what ended up happening was because of the condition of the ground, that word was either accepted or rejected. So we want to really, in this whole session, really talk about 
the power of words and the power that we have to actually plant those seeds, whether for good or for evil. So today's session, we're talking about what are you saying to yourself about yourself? Okay, what are you saying to yourself about yourself? A deeper question might be, what do you believe about yourself? So we made a statement last week that said that what you say about yourself begins to shape what you believe about yourself. What you believe about yourself begins to dictate your behaviors. And your behaviors tend to validate what you have said about yourself. And this cycle continues, deepening your convictions. Right? And the one thing we talked about last week is that many times what we're saying about ourselves is really running on a subconscious level. So let me add this. Um, it has been proven scientifically that we actually talk to ourselves at a rate of 300 to 1,000 words per minute. So we are processing thought at a rate that is so much faster than we could actually articulate. I know um, <clears throat> we, tease, um, we tease Pastor Jason Bishop here about how fast he can talk. Because when he's talking normally, he's talking really fast. And so um, we tease him about that and, and uh, challenge him about that to kind of slow it down a little bit for the rest of us who can't catch it <laughs> as quickly as he's putting it out there. But um, we all have a capacity to speak what we're thinking. <clears throat> but a lot of times we are thinking on a way different platform, on a way different, we used to use the expression wavelength back in the day than we're actually speaking. So what are we thinking about ourselves? And what are those things that we think about ourselves that we put in the take for granted category? Like we don't actively say those things to ourselves, but because we've already accepted them as a basic fact about who we are. So some examples, um, and we talked about some of these last week, is if as you were growing up, somebody told you that you were never any good at math, you weren't going to be any good at math, and there's no sense in you trying to be good at math, mm -hmm. right? One of the things that you don't realize is that word spoken mm -hmm. into you, mm -hmm. right, is a seed. And as that seed is planted, right, and we talked about what I just talked about, what you say, you begin to believe, your belief turns into your behaviors, that now gets sat and gets deposited into the ground of your mind, the ground of your heart. So now you begin to water it and say, every time something happens and you fail at math, you're gonna say, okay, well, you know what? I'm not any good at math anyway. So what are you doing? You're continuing now to water that seed that has been planted, right? And for most students, and I've heard this from many, 
that will say when they get ready to study for a math test, I'm not really going to study that because I've never been any good at math. Mm -hmm. How many times have you heard a student that you don't say, well, I'm not any good at math? How many times a day? I'm a teacher. <laughs> okay, thank you. But what is that reinforcing, right? So now that's reinforcing the behavior of why am I going to try to study harder? Mm -hmm. Why am I going to try to put more effort into this? Because I've been told I'm not good at math. Mm -hmm. And now I've also now validated to myself that I'm not good at math. Now that's controlled my behavior. Mm -hmm. When I get ready to get to math, you know, I'm not really going to put that effort behind it because that seed's already been planted that says I'm not good at math. Right? And it deepens now the conviction mm -hmm. in myself that the very next time that I don't study as hard because I'm not good in math and then I fail that, it now deepens my conviction. See, I am not good at math. Okay. And so, but many times what's happening is that, that thing that's happening to that person, they're not really understanding what it is that's going on. Now, it may not be running totally at a subconscious level, but the results mm -hmm. of what they're saying to themselves mm -hmm. is running at a subconscious <clears throat> level. Because oftentimes we buy what we've been told. We just, especially because a lot of things um, have been said to us and about us even before we develop language. The first part of the human being in the brain that is developing is the part of the brain that recognizes feeling. So before we ever even have words, we have emotion about stuff. And our, before we're even born. Right, and before we're even born, because that's part of the development in utero. The thing is that it's then reinforced with our understanding, right, as we continue to grow. So it's almost like those things that, that um, come in from in utero and we don't challenge ever or are never put in a position to experience things that might challenge those things that have either been a part of the environment or a part of, um, a part of our own experience. If we don't have contrary experiences or contrary opportunities to challenge that, we sometimes just take it for granted that it must be true. I thought, I mean, and this is not this is not a plug for Mills College, I apologize, Mills College, because I went to Mills College, but um, they all know why I would not recommend them to a group of Christians. Um, but I was one of those students who thought, you know, I'm not good in math. And it wasn't until I went to college, an all women's college, that I heard a professor who said, a lot of you women in my class think you are not good at math, but that's because that's what you were told. You were told not to worry about being good at math because all you needed to do was grow up and find a husband. And you would be fine, you would be set, which is one of the main reasons why we don't have a lot of women in STEM, right? Um, because a lot of women are, are taught, oh, go into the, so, uh, the social sciences, do the liberal arts. Um, don't worry about science itself. And those are lies that now in our culture, our culture now recognizes that and is beginning to break that off of girls, young girls, right? 
You now have Barbie dolls that are dressed in, you know, um, white lab coats, you know, in the stethoscope to help girls learn you can be a physician, you can be, you know, whatever. So recognize that this is not only operating on a social level, but now what we're asking you to do is to look at yourself and begin to examine and, and, and it's okay to question what you have thought about yourself, right? It's okay, it's okay to question it. As long as the person you are questioning and asking for their opinion is God, okay? Yeah, God right. is the one right. who defines who you are. Right. Um, so piggybacking off what Leona's saying, um, I do a lot of work with, with men and groups and mentoring, and the one thing that I find that men have been deeply conditioned in society on a multiple of levels. And those levels are, um, you don't express feelings, um, you don't get in touch with feelings, uh, feelings are for wimps, um, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you don't need somebody else. And it's why men have a very hard time of coming to Christ. Because, of, because they're not taught to bend the knee to another man, even God. Okay, and these are things that are ingrained in our society to the standpoint of, again, we're talking about things running on a subconscious level. Okay, we have been conditioned on a subconscious level to think and to act that way. And it's one of the biggest problems men have, especially when they're dealing with relationships with their wives and dealing with relationships with their children getting past this point of being able to do some self-assessment on themselves in terms of what's going on with feelings, what am I going through, what am I feeling, and being able to express those feelings and still being fully a man in expressing those. Okay, because Jesus was the most manly man that yeah. ever was. That's right. But how many times did Jesus weep? Right? And we've heard things from mothers, you know, don't do that. Big boys don't cry, right? How many times have we heard that? And that's ingrained, right? And so when we feel something that moves us emotionally, that moves us emotionally in our hearts, right? We start doing that, right? I can't let the tears flow because I, I don't want anybody to see that because if they see that, they may think I'm weak. They may think something's going on and I don't want them to do that. So you start seeing men doing this. Right? Instead of just being there and weep, let the tears flow. You know, you're no less a man. Mm -hmm. You're no less a man at all. As a matter of fact, it makes you more, more of a man. man. Right? But these are the conditional things that, first of all, we have to recognize that we've been brainwashed, that we've been conditioned. Right? before we can do anything about it. Jean, were you going to say? Yeah, I just, I think a lot of men as well turn their tears into anger mm -hmm. or avoidance. Yep. Yeah. Or a myriad of other things. Right. I find that attractive, a man crying out. You see a man crying out. Yeah. But, but men don't. Yeah. Men don't. The One of the hardest things it is is to get in a group of men and have those men become open 
and vulnerable and sensitive to what they're feeling. It's one of the most difficult things. And I've been walking with a group of men now in a group, and we've been in this group probably five or six years, right? We're now getting to that level where these men can actually open up and speak and weep, and it's okay. It's okay for them to weep, and it's okay for the other men to comfort them when they weep and not get all like, this guy's crying, I'm freaking, it's freaking me out. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the reality of it. But that's because we've been so conditioned over time by society, by our own parents, by all these things, right? And again, this started with seeds being planted in our hearts. All right, so let's look at, um, let's look at a couple of ways that we actually um, speak to ourselves. So the first, and I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna present this in a question. And this first one is, are you judging yourself? Right. Are you judging yourself? And I think all of us, if we're honest, we can say, yeah, we judge ourselves. Sue, raise your hand. Sue? Um, so I don't know if anyone else does, but my brain sometimes feels like a free for all. Like, mm -hmm. no holds barred. Like, mm -hmm. I can think horrible things about myself, other people. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not speaking it, mm -hmm, I'm uh -huh. not doing anything about it, and I just like, and Sunday mornings are the worst. It's just, it's just like an onslaught of critical me, and it's like I don't take. I know that scripture take captive every thought, but I a lot of times don't do it because it's just. It's like a free for all. It's horrible. Mm. It's like. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that history. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree totally with you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I think. I'm having a tough time answering your question because I've, I've looked at that word judge a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I agree with, with Sue. Sometimes my mind is just ping, 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 ping. ping. And, and before I can capture a thought, mm -hmm. I've already had 10 other thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to, and the word tells us, mm -hmm. to, to, to look at ourselves, mm -hmm. but not to judge. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. it's, it's, and I haven't come to an answer yet, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you're going to answer this. Yeah, I was just going to say, don't read my, that. don't read my notes just yet. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it because it's it's a mm -hmm. fine line. Yeah, between Definitely evaluating mm -hmm. and yes. judging. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you have a hand here. Try not to make yourself feel like you're going crazy because your mind is continuously racing and you're like, mm -hmm. stop, slow down. You don't want to cause yourself to have a stroke or mm -hmm. a heart attack because you can't shift your mind mm -hmm. off. And then if mm -hmm. you take a moment to try to pause and say, okay, I need to redirect my thoughts. Mm -hmm. But sometimes with that subconscious mind, like you can be asleep. And like, do you really have control of what you're doing? Because your mind's been racing all day. Mm -hmm. You know, things are coming to you in your dreams. Mm -hmm. Even when you least expect it. That are, that are drawing from the thoughts you've been having all day, you're now dreaming them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Was that similar to like when we're second guessing ourselves as well? Is that following the lines of like judging yourself? It can be. As Jean said, there's a there's a, a fine, fine line, line that will go into. Um, but a little science lesson when that's happening, right? You have a limbic system, right? Which is your fight or flight. It's also the emotional part of your brain, right? And then you have your prefrontal cortex, which is your higher reasoning, your moral values, right? So for instance, if you're walking down a trail and you see, a, you see something in the trail and you look down, you jump back, right? And you think it's a snake. That's your limbic system. Okay. And then your brain goes, oh, wait a minute, it's just a sick, right? Mm -hmm. It's your prefrontal cortex, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so many times what starts too. happening is when those thoughts start running, right? It's like a freight train. And it's now it's like, it's like your prefrontal cortex is trying to fight against your limbic system because your limbic system now is just firing, right? And you've got thoughts and they're building one on top of the other. The good thing about it, though, is you can learn mm -hmm. because your brain is pliable, right? Mm -hmm. You can learn over time using God's word mm -hmm. to be able to help with that and get stronger in that. Doesn't mean that it'll disappear, but the idea, again, is to recognize it, is to recognize that runaway freight train and then what is it that I can do to try to harness some of that uh -huh. in. So, there's also a biophysical thing you can do, and literally it's breathing. Quiet. Mm -hmm. Quieting. Yeah, yourself. breathing. Mm -hmm. Literally mm -hmm. breathing in. Yeah, um, will quiet your limbic system. Breathe into a count of six yeah. to eight or whatever, breathe mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. a particular verse, breathe out twice as long, yep. mm -hmm. and do that a few different times, mm -hmm. and it tells your limbic system, mm -hmm. not just in, yeah, your, calms, in your thought, yeah. but it, it physically tells your yeah. brain that you're in control. Yeah, it, get, it calms your limbic system enough for your pre prefrontal cortex to take over. To take over. Yeah. Exactly. Ron? Um, I was told on uh, a commercial that um, my testosterone level is <laughs> a whole lot less than what my grandfather's was. Yeah. <laughs> a whole lot more or less than what my father's was. Oh, God. All I got to do is take this pill. Pill, right. Just like you again. Yes, yes. Thank yeah. you. Welcome, Thank you. Welcome to Pharmaceutical USA. Yes. Yeah. Big, big pharma. And and that's, I, that, I'm, thank you. Thank you. If I didn't have a cold, I'd walk over and give you a hug. Thank you for being vulnerable enough to tell the truth, not only about what you're hearing, but what we're all hearing. Yeah. That if we just take this tiny little pill, it'll make whatever is our challenge go away. And, and, and it's amazing because, especially if it's something we can go to the doctor for, and I'm not against doctors, don't get me wrong, I'm not against doctors. There are many doctors that are Christians, and thank God for them, because um, that's why many of us are alive, because we go first to them before we go here to the Word, right? The Word itself is encouraging us to do things, even for healing, that are in the natural realm, that are available. I mean, we'd rather take a Tylenol PM before we take a melatonin. Well, your body makes melatonin. So why would you want to take a melatonin? Because it's something that your body also makes before you go to Tylenol PM. I'm just saying, anyway, <laughs> I'm getting off the track. The, the point is that we, we tend to 
regardless of the situation, we're all looking for quick solutions. Yeah. We really are. I mean, let's face it, who wants to have racing thoughts? Nobody does. Nobody wants a freight train going through their mind, you know, with all kinds of things. Nobody wants to be in the middle of sleeping to be like in a nightmare because you have the kind of nightmare going all day long and now you're trying to sleep and rest and now you're dreaming things that are connected to what you've been thinking all day and it's irritating number one if not scary at times and waking up like with a cold sweat or like you're having a nightmare or even sometimes a panic attack nobody wants that so if you got to go to the doctor and get a pill to help you you can do that but it will not it will not build the stronger bridge between both hemispheres of your brain and help you overcome the thing of being able to calm your system. It's not good. The pill is not going to do that for you. So what you need to do is you do need to do some practical exercises. You do need to learn some ways to calm yourself, whether it's deep breathing, whether it's doing something on from the right side of the brain that's creative, whether it's taking a walk also, you know, because that will release your endorphins and, and kind of calm you down, whether it's it's actually massaging right here on the side of your neck, your, your vagal nerve, right? That actually goes directly to your heart and kind of calms you down and also taking those thoughts captive. So I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, I'm saying recognize that it's not going to do the overarching thing that needs to happen in order for you to totally stem that tide, that barrage that the enemy hijacks. He, oh, he's like, oh, okay, we're in that mood now? Hey, I can ride this horse, I like this horse. Yeah, yeah quite frankly, um... We're over-medicated society, um, and and so I'm just going to leave it at that. When you've tried all of those mm -hmm. and you still have issues, mm -hmm. it's time for deeper healing. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, it's you're not going crazy. Mm -hmm. Thank but you. If you were, you know, my case, 56 years old and still dealing with some of the same stuff, it just means. I've got to break off generational patterns. That's right. I've got to break off. Exactly. You know? Um, yeah. 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 It, it, it doesn't I'm, mean that, yeah. you know, the day that we're all perfect mm -hmm. and the day that we don't struggle with something is the day that we're dead. Yeah. Okay? That's the bottom line. You know? So yeah. if we think we're ever going to get to the point where we're walking this life mm -hmm. and everything is happy and, and wonderful every single day, every single minute. We're, we're living an unrealistic expectation. Mm -hmm. And we live in a society that says, take a pill. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're talking about the limbic system and the prefrontal. Actually, if you take that pill, you're going to continue to keep that pattern going. Mm -hmm. Because you've trained yourself to take that pill. You no longer you set up another pattern. Another pattern. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't deal with unlying issues. issues. Exactly. Yeah. But sometimes the pill sometimes helps the pill you get helps. over that bridge. Mm -hmm. right. Sometimes, yeah. So you just have yeah. to know yourself and you have to be even if you don't know yourself, you have to be committed 
to doing and taking the steps that are going to help you have the, um, uh, 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 my brother who's not here today used, uh, used a word in our small group on Thursday, bulwark. You have to build a hedge around yourself to strengthen yourself mm -hmm. so that what, even though I'm taking the pill, I'm not reliant upon the pill to help me bridge that gap. So. And, and that takes that takes a lot of work because yeah, again, work. you're in a society that says, if I take this pill and it makes me feel better, then I take the pill and it makes me feel better and that's why I stay. Yeah. No, because I'm well, also trying yeah. to lose weight right away. And I don't want to exercise. <laughs> I want to get the other side to it, you know? God has, I have hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. God has not chosen to fix my thyroid. Mm -hmm. If I don't take that thyroid pill every day mm -hmm. to make sure that that thyroid level sure. of hormones yeah, are proper, of course. I am a basket case. Of course. You know, not yes. only do I start yes. losing more hair and, and all that, but emotionally, I'm... Because your thyroid I, oh governs sure. hormones in our bodies, exactly. whether you're male or female. Yeah. By the way, guys, y'all have hormones. Just letting you know, you have hormones what? like we have hormones. Oh, and it's proven that you have cycles as well. Exactly. No, we all no, knew no. it. The, uh -oh. Most of the women knew it already, right? No, no, no. no. Hey, this is my conditioning, right? This is my conditioning, right? No, no, you're speaking heresy right there. Talking about this medication, I think that it's also important. I mean, I've been on anti-anxiety medicine. I have too. Yes. I've been able to be free from that. But as far as the thyroid is concerned, that's yes. the medication that I yes. need on a regular basis. Exactly. And if I'm not, then it throws my body completely over. Right. right. Yeah, and we're not saying all, and yes. don't, please, yes. don't take that. We're not saying that all medication is bad. We're not that's saying right. that. Right. So please don't take that yeah. that, is that not way. Our point that is at not all. what we're saying. That there are many, God has worked through medical advances and there's a lot of medical advances that save lives, continue to save lives, mm -hmm. and keep people on healthy paths. And we have so, people who are in the medical profession in mm -hmm. this class exactly. and we value and we honor them. They come highly rated because they are also believers. So they have the power to, dispel, to dispense not only the pill or the IV or whatever it is you need, but they also, because they are believers, are also able to be praying for you, which carry, which means that that, that medicine is more anointed, right. as <laughs> far as I'm concerned, <laughs> because okay. I have somebody who loves the Lord, you know, ministering to me. So. All right, so let's move on. Um, so we talked about judging ourselves. So we want to be, we want to be really clear, and we want to get a really clear understanding of what we're saying about judging yourself, okay? Because we are to judge, and Paul has talked about judging, right? We are to judge, but the question is, when we talk about judging, what kind of judging are we talking about? So we can sometimes, without realizing it, judge and condemn ourselves for mistakes we have made, mm -hmm or in places in our lives that we feel we didn't meet our expectations or the expectations of others. Judging ourselves can make us feel like we have the right to judge others, okay? So when we're talking about this kind of judging, we're talking about you judging your 
character. Okay. I'll never be good at this. I'm just I'm just a bad person, right? That you're making these judgments based on your character. You're not making these judgments based on certain actions. And what I mean by that is well, let's do this. Let's let's take uh let's look at a uh, passage of scripture. This is 1 Corinthians 4 verses 3 to 5. Okay. And this is Paul speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he says, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose, here's the key, the motives of the heart. Okay. So can I add to that? Um, words change in meaning um, throughout the years, right? We use words different, different ways than we used to use them. And that's just constant. But... Um, Thankfully, the judgment based on the way Paul is talking about it is um, as it as it relates to our character. The definition is the ability to make considered decisions or come to sensible conclusions. He's calling us, first of all, not to be um, not to be extreme with ourselves to the point of setting ourselves up for failure, right? That's the first thing he's calling us to. But at the same time, elsewhere in scripture, we are told to judge one another. And that's talking about making a considered decision, considered evaluation. And again, not in terms of character, okay? Actions, but not character. So one of the reasons that Paul makes this statement is that many times it's we make judgments based on what they're perceived mm-hmm. right motives or actions or or heart of another is right and we do that with ourselves mm-hmm. because anytime when you look at a court of law anytime a judgment needs to be made there is a lot of investigation. There's witnesses. There's there's a whole um, slew of things that happen before a judgment is made. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to make a right judgment based on the situations, the circumstances, the motivations. But we don't do that, right? When we get ready to make a judgment, we make what we call snap judgments, right? Somebody walks through. I used to do this in my own marriage. I would walk through the door early in our marriage. I would see Leona's face, and I would make a snap judgment. And the judgment would be, she must be upset at me because of the look on her face. And then talk about the seeds that would be planted, right? Okay, I'm not a good husband. What did I do now? Blah, blah, blah. So what am I doing now? I'm making judgments. Right. And the judgments are coming fast and furious. Right. But I'm making those judgments based on perceived information. 
that's not even correct. Okay. We live in a society today that we are making judgments about people all over the place, like instantly. We make judgments about Republicans, we make judgments about Democrats, we make judgments about blacks, about whites. We make judgments about everybody like that. Just like that. Right? And we have no information whatsoever to make those judgments on. Okay? When Paul is saying, I don't even judge myself, Paul understands this. Paul's understanding that, hey, you know what? Where we are and who we are as people, I we can make snap judgments. And he's like, hey, I don't even judge myself because I know in myself, right? I can make snap judgments about myself and be wrong. So he says, I don't even judge myself. But he says, that does not make me innocent. So Paul's not saying, okay, because I don't ju- I'm not judging myself, doesn't mean that I don't have some stuff that's going on in me that I'm guilty of. But he doesn't rely on his own intellect, right, to make judgments on him. Here's the other part about the judgment. And he, so he's telling the Corinthians also, he says, look, don't make any judgments, okay? And we're still talking now. We're still keeping judgments in that context, okay? The context has not changed. So he's telling the Corinthians the same thing that he's saying about himself. Don't start making snap judgments about yourself, about your neighbor, about everybody else, because guess what? You're in the same boat as I am. Like I said, we live in that society today. We look across the street and see my neighbor driving a junky car, and all of a sudden we make snap judgments. Oh man, he must have lost his job. Boy, this guy doesn't like to spend money. This guy is, you know, blah, 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 this and that. We start making those snap judgments. We have no idea of what's going on with that person. So um, before Joe goes to the uh, other point, um, almost always our judgments are off. Because as Jean pointed out, you know, when we're talking about the racing thoughts and, and, you know, just really getting to that place of trying to settle ourselves, right? A lot of our judgments, our snap judgments, are actually coming from our unhealed hurts. A lot of those racing thoughts that we can't seem to quiet, right? Like Jean says, if it, if it, if it is something that's persisting, it's time for healing and deliverance. There's some stuff that's going on underneath. And so even when somebody makes a statement to us that is a, a judgment based on not the way we use the word judgment in today's culture, because if I tell you your slip is showing, that seems to be a judgment these days. And I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about if I say something to you like, oh, you look a little sad today. And, and your reaction is, oh, you're judging me because of, you know, okay, I'm just, I'm, I was just making a comment. So um, a lot of times our reactions and or our own thoughts are based on our own unhealed hurts or wounds and also our distorted perspective. I have an example. I, I, didn't, I didn't share this with you in the car, but the Lord brought it to me as we were driving here today. And I was thinking about this point. For years, we lived off of Westmore in Daly City, and every Christmas, there was this house that would hang a, um, 
I'll just use my native expression. They would hang a big old kind of poster uh, cut out of what we would call a Father Christmas, Santa Claus. But he looked like Father Christmas, the way he was depicted to me when I was a kid. But the thing about it was, for years, I drove by that thing, and I wondered why it was upside down. I literally saw it upside down. His whiskers were here, his mouth was here, and his eyes were here at, at the chin level. And I think maybe it was the third year I said to my husband, why do they hang that upside down? Now, how many know that the people in that house were not hanging their Santa Claus poster up in their window upside down? But that's how I saw it. And I knew something was wrong because in my mind, I thought, there's no way they're hanging that sign up upside down. There's just no way. But I had to develop kind of a, a confidence in a trust that if I shared that, thought with my husband that his reaction would be to kind of help me walk through what I was seeing. I had to be willing to submit that thing in me that was distorted to someone else, right, um, to help me with that. And after we had that conversation and he was like, Lee, it's not hung upside down. I don't know why you're seeing it that way. I knew that the Lord was telling me, there's more work to do. There's more work to do in here. There's more healing you need because there's so many places that you're wounded that you literally are seeing things in the physical realm and you're seeing them upside down. And when I got that message, I started seeing Father Christmas the correct way. Eyes where the eyes should be, Mouth where the mouth should be, whiskers where the whiskers should be. What I thought were whiskers were actually eyebrows and I could see the break in the center. He didn't have a unibrow. <laughs> but I had been seeing a unibrow all along. And it did look upside down if you didn't look at it carefully enough. You have to study it to really look at it and go, yeah, it's just the way that it's it's been designed. But when she looked at it, she saw it upside down. For years. Wow. For years. I think that's a great statement. Because we make snap judgments. We don't study things long enough. And we don't study things long enough to see the original design. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, boom. Exactly. Because um, Paul makes a, uh, going a little bit further in here, Paul makes a statement. Um, to the Corinthians. So he tells them to judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait mm -hmm. for the Lord to come because he will expose the motives of the heart, right? The thing that we don't do and the thing that's hard when we do snap judgments is we don't take the time to do the further investigation, mm -hmm. to withhold judgment and say, okay, this is what this may look like on the surface right now, but I'm going to withhold judgment until I do some more investigation and do some more work. And I will tell you nine times out of ten, your snap judgment was wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Just like my judgment about Lee was wrong when I came into the house, nine times out of ten, our snap judgment is wrong. Okay? Because here's the key to judgment and why God can be the only true judge, even though he gives us things so that we can, we, his people can judge now. Mm -hmm. But Paul says that he will expose the attitudes and the motives of the heart. Right? He'll expose the attitudes and the motives of the heart. So now let me talk about just before we go um, further is we are to judge. Okay. But we cannot judge based on our own mm -hmm. interpretation, our own motives, our own perception. So let me give you an example. If I'm walking with a brother and he's having an affair, right? I, have, as his brother, am called to judge that. And when I say judge it, here's the thing. I'm not judging his character. I'm judging the point that according to the Lord's own word, he's in error. And I have the responsibility, right, to make a judgment call on that and to tell that brother that he's in error. But I'm not making a judgment on his character. All right. That's a big difference or his destination exactly or his salvation exactly, his salvation. exactly. Mm -hmm. okay because paul makes a statement he says i can't i don't judge those it's not my responsibility to judge those outside the mm -hmm. church it's my responsibility to judge those inside the church but you have to realize what paul's motives are mm -hmm. and so here is a key statement the the lord uses judgment for correction of his people, mm -hmm. not condemnation mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very important that you understand that statement. Mm -hmm. God uses judgment for correction mm -hmm. on you, not condemnation. Can I add to that? Let me finish. Okay. And why do I make that statement? Let's go back now. Remember, we have to understand the character and nature of God. Right. I wish that none would perish, but all come to repentance. Right? right? So that same God, if that's a statement that he makes, when he makes a judgment on you, he's not making that judgment to condemn you. That's why you have to be careful, because when that happens, as Gene was saying, there's a very fine line, because that fine line, it's like Satan's right there, right? And if you're not walking that line the way that the Lord wants you to walk it, you're going to give him an opportunity to slip. And when he slips in there, what happens is condemnation comes. So that's why if you're ever in a place where you have to go to a brother and a sister or you have to make some kind of judgment call because you see that what's going on is not right. When I make that judgment call to my brother, it's not to condemn him. It's to say, mm -hmm. brother, you're off the path. According to the word that we've given our life to, this is what the Lord calls you to. So this is where you should be going. And then... I should be willing to step right in and walk with that brother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm not going to be pointing the finger and saying, blah, 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 thus saith the Lord, get your act mm -hmm. straight and turn around and start walking mm -hmm. the other way. Mm -hmm. Right? Because that action 
is putting condemnation mm -hmm. on him. I've just allowed Satan to slip. Yeah, that's right. So that's why we have to be really careful about this and really understand it and have our spiritual right, eyes open when this kind of thing is going on. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, um, to add to that, that um, when, again, I, I say this often and I don't think I could ever say it too much. So when we read the Old Testament, we need to be reminded that where we say, and God judged so-and-so, fill in the blank. And we go, oh my gosh, God was so scary back in the Old Testament. There's two things going on. That is the um, the anointed author's perspective of what happened, right? And in addition, what was God's motive? It was to bring correction. And in places where he had the, um, the Jews annihilate the ites in the land, why? We need to know what the ites were doing. And we need to remember that God doesn't go, oh, oops, you tripped? Okay, that's it, that's all. That's not how he operates. He gives you opportunity to make correction and make correction and make correction and make correction. And if you don't make correction, he turns his back on you and you end up suffering the consequences of your behavior. So, go ahead. I, no, I, no just, I, I just, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I cannot, let that go whenever it comes up that a lot of us forfeit reading the old testament because we're scared of a scary god we need to read it with our new testament lens on he did not wish that any should perish okay i'll, I'll want to say something i know you want to say something so you make the call okay <laughs> you make so, the call. you make the call just to leave on this point of you know God gives us opportunities for correction and correction and correction. Mm -hmm. When I um, had stepped away from the church and stepped away from God, mm -hmm. before that, before all that, there was opportunity through my pastors, through my mentors, through my family, to be able to bring to them what I was struggling with. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I had that recourse, but I did. I had that recourse to be able to say, look, this is what I'm going through, this mm -hmm. is what I'm struggling with, mm -hmm. how do I deal with it in a godly way? Mm -hmm. And because I kept it inside, and I kept struggling with it, and I kept struggling with mm -hmm. it, and I kept struggling with it, and then eventually, at a at a youth conference, I, I, I looked I looked full in the face of God, and I said, I don't want this calling. Mm -hmm. He said, Okay. And for however many years, till a couple of years ago, um, I was away from God, and then I ended up passed out drunk. And in an out-of-body experience, God said, now look, are you done running? Because I'm about to pass judgment. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do it your way now. <laughs> Smart man. Yeah. So it's like the, okay, mommy, okay, mommy, okay, you know, yeah. and you get the spanking and you're like, okay, yeah. no, I won't yeah. do it again. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. But I, I love that because, again, um, it's a loving God. Mm -hmm. Again, it's a loving God that says, I know where this is going to lead. I know where this is going to lead. And the thing about it is, because I've heard of so many people that have run from God right up to their deathbed, mm -hmm. two days from dying, three days from dying, right? 
And he never stopped pursuing them as long as there was breath, and they always had an opportunity. And from us, we would look at it and go, wow, this guy lived 70 years. What a waste. You could have accepted him 50 years ago, you know? But here's the thing. We all got to come the way we got to come, right? And we got to give our brothers and sisters grace enough to say, thank God, man, you made it before you checked out. And that's what the important thing was, right? You can't make it after you check out. Thank you. Right. Exactly. Well, uh, Johnny did. and then... I was just going to make uh, a couple comments. Uh, I, I've learned to, to realize that the right judgment is love. Uh, being judged, even you use the court of law as far as witnesses and whatever, there's also false witnesses. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the false witness is within us. Oh, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that, that I know when we talk about making judgments, especially judgments about ourselves, they use, we, keep, we use the internalizing. So we don't talk about it, and there's no healing can take place until I can actually tell you about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because when I internalize them, I act on them. Mm-hmm. Like, you made that statement, I don't know. Uh, it's like, I, I did the same thing. I would come in the house from work or whatever, and God may, I'm praying on the way home, God may have said, go in the house, give Renee a hug. And I look at Renee, and she looking a certain way, it's like, I ain't giving her no <laughs> yeah. But, but, but that's, that's me acting on what I Judgment. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I you learn how to moonwalk. But because, like you said, you know, I've got these judgments in my mind. Mm-hmm. I didn't do something wrong or whatever, then I won't do it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, I know with those self judgments, for me, mm-hmm. I internalize them and I act on them. And I think. Steve, did you have your hand? Okay. 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 (laughs) All right, Sue, and then. uh, Um, I just really like what Alex said because I can relate to that um, when he talks about false, you know, um, God giving him opportunity, but he didn't see it that way, right? And I can relate to that because I think to myself, no, that's not an opportunity. I can't go to Jean Nichols. She'll blow up. I'm like, what the heck? Right? <laughs> and so I can relate to that, that, that I don't, you know, looking back, you, you might say, oh, those were opportunities. But man, when you're in it, that's not an opportunity. Your pastor? No, I, no way I'm going to tell my pastor. Right. Wait, Joe and Leona, no way. <laughs> no way. Right? That's how I, I understand. Where is my brain? Yeah. Right? It's caught up I in that limbic flow. Yeah. 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 I think that goes right into what I was going to say. The mm-hmm. thing with, with judgment, especially self judgment, it plays right into the double plan of mm-hmm. being isolated. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it is. Exactly. Um, and 
One thing that I'm very grateful for, um, specifically with this class, but other individuals in my life too, is no matter how many bonehead things that I've done and how many times I've walked away because I've done something that was just not right, that could be judged as wrong, um, inappropriate, unchristian, whatever you want to say, that people have not passed judgment. They've welcomed me back. Mm -hmm. You know, not to say without boundaries mm -hmm. or anything mm -hmm. else like that, but they've welcomed me back. You know, that I've continued to live with the internal tension of, well, I'm not really wanted here. I'm kind of outside of the group, and, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. I'll still come and I'll still hang out, mm -hmm. even though I know I'm really not part of them or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever those mental uh, things mm -hmm. go, mm -hmm. I don't really fit in. I'm not as spiritual enough. I'm mm -hmm. not as smart enough. I'm mm -hmm. not as learned enough. You fill in the blank, mm -hmm. you know? Um, exactly. I'm not as athletic enough, you know? Um, whatever the case may be. But, okay, Lord, did you want me to connect with this group? If you did, then I'm going to go there. Regardless of how I felt, because, and through that process of, in spite of how I felt, in spite of what I thought, in spite of the fact that I really couldn't tell anyone mm -hmm. how I was feeling, or even sometimes when I did tell, mm -hmm. I kind of mm -hmm. got the, oh, that's just stupid thinking, mm -hmm. you know, which really did nothing to help my thinking. So called stupid. But because the Lord wanted me involved in, mm -hmm. in this group, or what, mm -hmm. you know, whatever group, mm -hmm. that over time I learned that, you know what? I'm just as screwed up as everyone else, mm -hmm. and I accept everyone else. And you know what? They pretty much accept me too. Mm -hmm. You know, even though we don't always have everything in common, mm -hmm. um, that's mm -hmm. why God put us together. Their strength is my weakness. Right. My, weak, my strength is their weakness. Yeah. Right. We walk, right. We walk, we walk yeah, together. Yeah, we all walk together. One of the things I think we always should remember is that God always seeks to unify. Satan always uh, seeks to separate mm -hmm. and isolate. God always <laughs> seeks to unify. And whether that's husband and wife, whether that's families, whether that's brothers and sisters mm -hmm. in Christ, that's always God's heart. It's always his heart. Mm -hmm. Satan is always trying to rip you from the arms of God at any cost. Mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. That's just who he is and that's who he what he does. Right? Okay, so we um, did not finish, which is okay. That's fine. Um, but we will pick up next week um, on the second half. Uh, on the second half of this, and um, we'll get into some ways to start coming against judging yourself. Well, we're going to actually start right yeah, now. Lee's probably going to start. So if I can have you all stand and put your hands on your heart. One hand on your heart, one hand on your head. What? One hand on heart, one hand on heart. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay. So. And um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you guys to pray after me, okay? So, Father, in the name of Christ Jesus. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus. I offer you my heart. I offer you my heart. And I offer you my mind. And I offer you my mind. 
Lord, I ask you, Lord, I ask you in the coming weeks, in the coming weeks to, begin to, shine your light to begin to shine your light on those areas, on those areas where I have unhealed hurts, where I have unhealed hurts and, wounds, and wounds and where my perception, and where my perception is, distorted. is distorted. And I trust God, and I trust God as you begin to reveal those places to me, as you begin to reveal those places to me that you reveal them because that you reveal them because you want to heal them because you want to heal them and I declare and I declare that I will and I will use your word use your word as a sword as a sword to cut out to cut out those things I've been judging those things I've been judging that are not in agreement that are not in agreement with who you say I am with who you say I am and I declare and I declare that I will begin that I will begin to seek healing to seek healing for those areas for those areas that need healing that need healing and that includes and that includes using your word using your word as a bomb as, as an anointing ointment, as an anointing ointment to, heal those areas. to heal those areas. Lord, I thank you, Lord, I thank you because you are, faithful. you are faithful. And I know the outflow of this, I know the outflow of this is going to enrich me. And when I am enriched, those with whom I am in relationship are also enriched. In Jesus' powerful name, I pray, amen. All right, you guys, see you next week.